0: Amen. All right, join me, Genesis chapter number 12. How many of you, while you were growing up, moved around a lot? But Larry did. Cheryl did. Brother Ted did. You did. You did. Um, anybody move more than 10 times in their youth? Brother Ted? Y'all? Do you know, remember how many times y'all moved? More than 20. So over once a year. All in Texas? Really? Really? So just around the Metroplex? Really? Okay. Anybody else? We kept our stuff up. You just kept it packed up. Cut <laughs> a suitcase handy. Just once? Was that after you got married? <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Yeah, has anybody, just once you got into your house, this has always been where you all been? 30 years. Wow, that's awesome. 20. 20? How long have you all been at yours, Brother Ted? So once you got there, you're just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. 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 <laughs> Brother Charles, how long have you been at yours? Okay. Anybody else beat 30? Really? Wow. 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 Wow, wow, wow. Wow. So what we're about to read is the start of a very long journey for Abraham. He packs up and he moves. Now, just imagine, Brother Ted. Obviously, when we think of the Metroplex, obviously compared to the country, we think of a very small area. Um, But could you imagine having to walk from Irving to Grand Prairie with all of your stuff? Mm -hmm. Goodness. I don't know. Maybe some of you had to do that with a horse and buggy. I'm not sure. But... um. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but I mean, just imagine here's Abraham. God calls him to move. I want you to get this in perspective. God tells him to pack up and move from where he is over 500 miles. 500 miles. It'd be like me telling Brother Ted, Brother Ted, God's calling you to the Alabama state line just get on 20 you don't even have to take a map and just start walking towards the Alabama state line almost 500 miles could you imagine but instead of just brother Ted walking he'd have to take his entire family and he'd have to take all his pets Um, if he had any you know livestock cattle he'd have to take all them and, I mean, goodness, if they made 10 miles a day, right, that was a good day. Could you imagine the weather that they had to face? Um, could you imagine, you, you, we've no history. I mean, y'all, how many of you played that game? Um, Oregon the Oregon Trail, right? What usually happened when you played that game? Someone died of dysentery, dysentery right? All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Weren't you so upset when you were in school playing that game and someone died of distance? Ah! <laughs> uh, but as Abraham was, you know, some of the servants got sick. Um, could you imagine giving birth on a trip like this? Uh, all of the different things that they had to do, and probably some of them began to complain. Why are we moving? We had a good life. What's, why? Why is why is he making us do this? All of these. And for 500 miles, they just kept on walking. Kept on walking. Let's see how that journey starts. Look at verse number four. So Abram departed. That's all the Bible tells us. So Abram departed. As the Lord has spoken unto him, and it gives us some details. His nephew Lot went with him. And here's the extra kicker. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Aaron. (laughs) Listen, I don't know if I could physically survive walking for 500 miles, right? God asked a 75-year-old man to go on a 500-mile journey with sandals. Verse number five. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. But notice, he also took all of their substance that they had gathered. And you get the impression, that's a lot of stuff. They didn't have a U-Haul to rent. They didn't have movers. And the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land, land of Canaan they came. I mean, how long does that take? 500 miles by foot. Verse 6. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sycam, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord. You need to underline that part, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west. So um, just consider, um, when you, we, we've talked about this some, um, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, which way did they go? What direction? East. When the Tower of Babel happened, what way did they build it? East. Abram heads west. Again, we see this picture of the direction of going towards God, going west. And he pitched his tent toward the west. None of those words are there in there by accident. They're all in there on purpose. And Hai on the east, and there he builded an altar unto the Lord. You need to underline that. And called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. A couple of points very quickly. Number one, Abram's obedience. It took a little while. Took a little while. But Abram finally came to the place where he obeyed the Lord. It simply says in verse number four so Abram departed. He finally did it. You have to go all the way back to chapter 11, probably years before this. But he finally did it. He finally got there. They got to Haran, and they stopped for a while. His dad had to pass away, get rid of the old lifestyle. He finally gets on the road. Don't know how long it was, but he finally obeyed God. Listen, this is not in my notes. You get this for free. Um, we're not even taking an offering. So, <laughs> um, But what's interesting to me, Abram had to go through a hardship in order to get where he was supposed to go. Friend, the hard things that we go through through life, every single one of them have a purpose. There's, there's something under it. There's something in it that God means for us to be bettered by. It could be something going on in your family. It could be something going on personally. It could be something going on here at the church. But whatever hardship you're going through, God means it for your good. That when you come through on the other side, He'll be stronger and better for it. Um, But I also wonder if the journey would have just been easier if he would have gone when he was younger. I have met people, people older than me, who have told me, preacher, if I could go back, I'd start over. The nice thing about this story is Abram... Gets a second chance. God comes again, says it's time to go. But, friend, nobody's promised, at least in this kind of situation, nobody's promised that. If you have a chance, take it. If God is calling you to do something, take it. If you miss out on it, make sure you're in the right spot so that God can call you again. So, how did this obedience happen? It involved at least three things. I want to give you them. The first thing involved, it involved separation. When God calls him, he tells him, I want you to separate from everything you know. I mean, consider God does this still today. Some of you, I am convinced of it. God is going to call you to separate from things to serve him. He's going to call you to separate from your family. Not your immediate family. Um, uh, You know, if you're married, you don't get to say, hey, God wants me, bye. (laughs) I'm not saying that. If you have children, you can't just leave your kids at home. But you know what I'm saying. He might call you to leave. I don't get to see my family hardly at all. I mean, I've gotten to see my dad and my mom twice in the last 365 days. Um, And I haven't gotten to see my grandma but twice in the last 365 days. And the reason for that is because God called me Somewhere, um, this Yankee has been transplanted in Texas, Amen. right? God, God calls us to separate sometimes. I'm convinced that God has some calling on people in our church. You may be with us for a short while, but God has different plans for you to take the gospel with you somewhere else. And he's it's going to be hard to say. Goodbye to family, to friends, and a lifestyle that you've grown accustomed to. But in the end, it will be better for you. He also, the second thing, it involved his substance. Look at verse 5. And Abram took Sarah, Lot, and all their substance. It tells us that Abram left to follow the Lord. He took everything that he owned, with him on the trip. In other words, when the Lord got Abram, the Lord got everything Abram had. That's a good lesson. Abram didn't leave anything behind for the world to use. He took it all and he followed God. I am convinced that you can Measure the level of commitment a person has by how much of their stuff they're willing to give up for God. Ooh, it got quiet. It got quiet. And listen, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, preacher, you're not taking an offering tonight. Amen. <laughs> I agree with you, preacher. But when the offer plate goes around, oh, that's my money. Friend, it's not your money, it's God's money. God's the one that provided everything you got. The skills you have for your job, God gave those to you. The the opportunities you have in your job, God allowed those things to happen. He opened up doors for raises and promotions. All of that came from God himself. And because of the blessings we have, we can kind of partition it and say, okay, well, I'll be faithful with the 10%. And listen, that's praise the Lord. People need to be faithful with the 10%. But it's all God's. And whatever I have, if God calls on me to give it or to use it for him, I should say, yes, Lord, yes. It's yours. It also involves surrender. The Bible tells us that Abram did as the Lord had spoken to him. Abraham learned early on that the secret to pleasing God is simply surrendering your will. Have you ever heard parodies of songs? I often like the parody better than the original. Anybody else? There's a great comedian named Tim Hawkins. Um, He does parodies of some pretty awesome songs. Um, And you should look him up on YouTube. It'll be a blessing, I promise. Um, And um, so I just imagine. One of my favorite hymns is a song called I surrender all. The problem is, I think most of us hear the parody. Instead of I surrender all, we sing, at least by the way we live, I surrender some. Most to you, I surrender. God didn't give us an option. When we followed him, we're surrendering everything to him. Number two. But what's interesting, before we get to number two, what's interesting, if you really study Abraham's life, and you can already see it in this passage, many people believe at least by that day's standard, he could have been at least one of the wealthiest people to ever live. I am not saying this is the reason that we give. I am not saying that this should be our mindset when we give. The Bible never says that if you give this, you're going to get this in return. But I can believe the Bible when it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when we give, we get a blessing. It could just be more faith. It could be a number of different just spiritual things. But I promise you, you can't out-give God. All right, number two, Abram's opposition. Abram's opposition. He had some things that opposed him. Whenever you set out for God... There's going to be some things that fight against you. I can promise you that's going to happen. The first thing that will happen, at least with Abram, the days opposed him. God called him to go. And when he finally goes, he is 75 years old. 75 years old. I mean, could you imagine? I, I can't. My wife and I, we got a new bed. Um. Uh, three weeks ago. We got it on a Saturday. We put it up. um, They were supposed to set everything up. We had some delivery workers that were not very nice, so I told them, listen, I'll just do it. But one thing it did is it didn't allow me to make sure it was the right one. So I set it up. I'm like, they gave us the wrong mattress. And this mattress was as hard as a rock, I promise you, if I would have slept on the concrete in our parking lot, it would have given me more comfort than this mattress that we had. That was a Saturday night. And then I came to church on Sunday just bright and cheery. You know how I am in the morning. (laughs) Um, And um, just imagine what Abraham had to sleep on. 75 years old, walking all day, dealing with complaining people all the time, And then he finally gets some time to himself in his tent, of all things. He gets to sleep on maybe a blanket or two, on the cold, hard ground, following God. But you know what's crazy? Abraham had more comfort than Jesus ever did. Number two, the darkness opposed him. Did you notice this in verse number six? It's almost like it's its own little sentence or its own little verse. At the end of verse number 6, it says, And the Canaanite was this them in the land. When you're telling a story, this is what they call foreshadowing. Really, for, from this point on till today, this is the issue that Israel's had to deal with. And the Canaanite was in the land. The opposition... Was there right when they got there? Just consider. God called Abraham to go. Many of us think, okay, well, if God's calling me somewhere, this is gonna be amazing. I'm never gonna have any bad days. I'm gonna get there, everything's gonna be set up. Listen, when I graduated from Arlington Baptist College, I had my first job in ministry. When I got my first pastorate, you know what I was thinking? God's gonna make me the next Billy Graham. I did. I thought that. I'm like, I'm going to get up and preach, and people are just going to come in droves. You know how many teenagers I had my first Sunday as a youth pastor? One. (laughs) Do do you know how many people I had in Bible Baptist Frederick on my very first Sunday? There's about 150 that came to hear me preach in view of a call. About 50 of them came back. (laughs) My first Sunday here, there was about 30 people. And every time I'm thinking, okay, that's just week one. But usually week two was even worse. (laughs) And I'm like, Lord, what is going on? You know, it's a reminder. All because God calls you to something, hear me, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, many times God calls you to something that is hard. Just consider, after the fall, the call of man is still the same. We're supposed to take the world and subdue it. Just think of our property here. Brother Cecil, just think of our property here. Those of you that came to our work day on Saturday, just think of our property here. Do you remember what it used to look like? Do you remember the high grass along that fence line? Do you remember probably about right where I stand? That huge forest of trees that went right through here? Do you remember all of the trash that had been blown into that forest of vines and trees? Um, do you remember the high grass and the hill and all of this stuff right behind us? But look at it now. It was never easy. Am I right, Cecil? Never easy. But God called us to it. And because we worked at it, God blessed us. God called him to Canaan. And when he gets there, there's all of those Canaanites. The opposition. Those Canaanites are still there. And they're still opposing God's work. Friend, there may be a problem that you're dealing with today. That never goes away. Can I prove it? Paul. The Apostle Paul. We're going to talk about this on Sunday. So it's fresh in my mind. The Apostle Paul. Prayed to God three times. And if anybody should have gotten a yes from God. It's the Apostle Paul. Do You know what he prayed. God simply take away my pain. That's what he prayed. That's a pretty good prayer. Right? I mean, we pray for people tonight that have been hurting physically, spiritually, emotionally. And we pray, God, please heal them. Get rid of the pain. But for the Apostle Paul, those three times, God had the exact same answer. No, no, and no. And for the rest of his life, that pain was there. Do you think when he was chained to those guards, they cared about giving him any sort of pain treatment? (laughs) Not at all. Then the pain was still there. Christian, hear me. God's never promised us an easy life here. Never. Never once. (laughs) We got some fans, (coughs) y'all. also think and consider this the duties opposed him the things god had called him to take with him or the things that he just took with him made it more difficult i, I love my family I, I love my family when we go on trips i'm grateful that they're there because it'd be terrible to travel all on my own but can i tell you what would be easier traveling all on my own <laughs> <laughs> I have driven from here to Michigan and here to Florida. And I promise you, those trips are the easiest trips I have. Um, uh, I, I have made it from here all the way past Little Rock without having to stop. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I have also, with certain people, have gone from here to Buckies on I 30. <laughs> and not always just because they have to go to the bathroom, but because it's Buckies. And we had to stop at Buckies. Um, but consider as a dad, as the pastor, and some of you as parents, as husband and as wife, when you have them, you, you feel that sense of responsibility. Here is Abraham taking this entire family. Imagine how much worry he felt when even just a servant got real sick. Imagine if someone broke a leg on the trip. Imagine the weight that he felt. None of them got called, right? The call was his. And because of that call, he's having to take all of these people with him. Imagine the burden friend, when God calls you to something, there's probably going to be a circle that it affects. And there's going to be a burden that comes with it. Number three. Last major point. Abraham's opportunities. I like these. I hope that you'll write really just these two things down. The first one. He gets to experience God's promise. Just consider. I want to show you this. Look with me at Verse number seven. And the Lord appeared unto him, Abram, and said, Unto thy seed will I give you this land. So again, he's reaffirming this promise. I will give you this land. And they're building an altar unto the Lord. That's important. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. So what he's doing, and you'll see this throughout the rest of this passage that we just read. He's going from place to place on his property. He's scoping out what God has promised. Just consider, he he has noted that the Canaanite are there. He does that twice. The Canaanite are here. We know he's thinking the entire time. They may live there, but God promised it to me. This is mine. Imagine the confidence this gave Abraham. Just consider what this meant. Here's a 75-year-old man just strutting through town. Can you imagine? <laughs> he, he's thinking, I could take them. I mean, consider. If he got into a fight with these people, God promised him all of this stuff and a huge, a huge family. These are the enemies of God, and he's thinking, I got this. I just picture him walking through. As he's kicking up the dust, he's thinking, oh, man. God promised me more of a seed than just the dust that I'm kicking up right now. Could you imagine as he's walking through this land, looking at the beauty of the area, thinking God promised it all to me and my kin. This is mine. And he felt confidence from the promise. Could I give you a promise? Romans eight twenty eight says, all things, work together for good Amen. to them that are called to them that love God and are called according to his purpose friend don't you know i see today i don't see abram in a lot of people i see scaredy cats when we fight against the devil remember we're fighting a defeated foe when when we stand up and sing praises to God we are singing from a place of victory 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That should fill us with confidence. When we know God's word, we don't have to worry what anybody thinks as long as we follow God's word. He had confidence because of the promise. And here's where the confidence was rooted. The second thing. He enjoyed God's presence. Woo! This is good. Do you notice what he does? Look at verse number seven again. Unto thy seed will I give this land. Right after God says this. And right there builded he an altar. Verse number eight. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar on the Lord. So, not only did Abram travel 500 miles, but you get the impression that every time he stopped, he built an altar. (laughs) Could you imagine? I don't know about you, but there's some Sundays. Shoot. Come on, church. There's some Wednesday nights. I'm just tired. Come on. I see it in you. You don't have to hide it. I see it. But here's Abram. 75 years old, sleeping on the ground, traveling 500 miles by foot, complaining people, and he still takes the time, at least on two occasions here, and we'll see that more in the story as we go through it, that when he stops, he builds an altar and worships God. Do you know who noticed all of that? All of his family and all of his servants. Church, church. Our culture does a great job of making us busy. It does a great job of robbing us of the time we think we so desperately need to do something else to do what is most important. And then once we're done doing all of the things on our to-do list, we're whipped and we're tired. And we fail to worship God like we should. I mean, even tonight, you don't have to say, but I understand some just came because we have a kicks class or a teen class. Or some just came because of well, it's Wednesday and i got to go. But here's Abram. And he has learned to enjoy the presence of God. Family, when was the last time you stripped everything else away? And you just came to God, not just here, but in your homes, at work. And you enjoyed the presence of of God and you and you rested knowing that yeah I got problems but my God's got the strength and you and you stripped away all of the problems all of the difficulties of your life and you said though life may be hard my God is better my God is good and I will praise him For his goodness today. When was the last time that you allowed worship not to be confined to the first part of our Sunday morning worship service? But it hit you on a Thursday or on a Saturday. Maybe tonight you'll take the time, even after you get home from church, just to build a makeshift altar. You'll grab your Bible, and you'll pray. And you know who'll notice? Your family. Why is Mama reading her Bible? Why is Daddy doing a devotion with Mama? Can I be a part Mama? And from there, maybe you become a position where after you're done with the travel for the day, you take the time, to build an altar and worship God. Think about it. I think the root for his confidence wasn't just the promise of God. It was God. Abram learned a simple lesson. The joy Of the Lord is my strength. How do you get that? You can't just conjure it up, you can't work it out. You just are with the Lord. And as you're with Him, you'll notice His goodness. And from His goodness, you'll get strength. Isn't that amazing? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So here's what I think just consider. I don't know about Brother Ted if he tries to get to Alabama tonight or not. I don't know. Uh, But if he made it to the other side of South Dallas, he laid down and he got up the next day. How do you think Brother Ted would feel the next morning? Especially if he just slept on the side of the road. (laughs) How do you think he would feel? I mean, he'd be sore. I mean, goodness, right? (laughs) Just imagine, right? And then he did it again and again and again and again. But I just get the impression that Abraham went to bed surely tired. But he woke up ready. Why? Because at the end of the day he worshipped God. And he went to bed with the joy of the Lord. And then he woke up with the joy of the Lord. And it was the strength to keep going. The strength to keep going. I don't know what you need, but I think all of us could use the joy of the Lord. Why don't we pray? Let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Brother John Buffone. I'd like for you to pray here in a second, Brother Cecil, if you'll meet me at that door.